0: This episode is sponsored by the Backend Banter Podcast. Stick around till after the news to hear more about that. This is Cup of Go for November 10, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in just 15 minutes per week. I'm Jonathan Hall.
1: And I'm Mihai Todor. I'm Mihai. How are you? Hey Jonathan, doing okay. Happy Friday.
0: Thanks for stepping in when Shai couldn't join us. He hopes to be back next week. But uh, until then, we're making do. And we have a celebration this week. It is Go's 14th birthday.
1: Whoa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Go was announced uh, 14 years ago today. And there's a cute little video. I, I shouldn't call it cute. I mean, it, it's cute in retrospect. Um, there's a video of Russ Cox encouraging us all to use Go.
1: Go is a fast, fun, and productive language, and we hope you'll try it. Oh, that's great. still Go.
0: Check out that video. I'll have a link in the show notes. Anyway, happy birthday, Go. Happy birthday. So to celebrate the the birthday, Go recently had a security release. Do you want to tell us about that?
1: Sure. So uh, there was a very minor release, Go uh, 21.4 and Go 2011. And it contains a bunch of fixes around Windows path handling. So this is probably only relevant for people who are on Windows and run Go on Windows. And uh, there was some discovery there around how certain specific specifiers in in the windows path can be vulnerable in in go so they had to like go and update a bunch of stuff on how to make that safe but yeah if you're on windows do check that out and make sure you update your go so you don't get vulnerable
0: i was kind of confused by this like I, i didn't know that you could have question marks in a go path let alone two of them together but i don't use windows and i certainly don't run go on windows yeah. Even if you don't use Windows, though, you should probably update. There were a few other bug fixes in this security release. They aren't security related, but there were a couple of compiler bugs, minor things, like three or four things. So still a good idea to update. But if you're using Windows, definitely update.
1: Yeah, always update. And there was a new proposal about that code command. Would you like to talk about that one?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think we mentioned it on the show a few, maybe months ago. Uh, There's a, a tool in the, the X repository. I don't know if that's experimental or external. I don't know what the X stands for. Uh, It was a dead code tool that you could run on the command line that would detect dead code in your project. And I found it to be really useful cleaning up an old legacy project. Uh, But it's in the internal path, which doesn't really mean anything for a command, except that it's kind of a signal to those installing it that this isn't really public. So it was, I would say, experimental up till now. There's a proposal now to graduate it to public-supported status. So... That's the proposal. I'm looking forward to this. I'm already using the tool on a daily basis, but I think that would give it a little bit more attention and maybe polish it a little bit more. And uh, I think it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I love it as well. Like when I joined the Bentos project, uh, it didn't have linters enabled and I enabled Colang CI Lint. And one of the first things that came up was like, oh, there's a lot of dead code there that has to be deleted. Yeah, I love that. There's another uh, proposal, sort of, this isn't really
0: news, but it's new to us. We, it just it finally came onto our radar, this proposal about memory arenas. Do you want to talk about that one?
1: Sure. So uh, a while back, it was proposed that Go gets memory arenas. And in all fairness, I haven't experimented with it. But the idea is that you can allocate a chunk of memory, a large chunk of memory. And uh, then you can just do whatever you want with it. And uh, the Go garbage collector doesn't just remove it from under your feet. And uh, there was an experiment that uh, was built into Golang. So you have support for it since Go 120, I believe. And uh, you can enable that via an environment variable. Um, However, the proposal was never accepted. So um, they could change this anytime. So if you depend on it already, you might want to reconsider that until the proposal gets accepted.
0: Yeah, so I had assumed that it would becoming you know maybe it might change shape a little bit but that it would that it would be added top of the proposal reads this proposal is on hold indefinitely due to serious api concerns the go experiment arena code may be changed incompatibly or removed at any time we do not recommend using this in production so um the confusing thing is that this note is dated january 17 and go 1.20 was released two and a half weeks later on february 1 with that experimental feature that uh, had apparently already been put on hold so there was a lot of excitement about this, I recall, back then. I guess it's interesting to nerd out on, but don't, don't depend on it.
1: Yeah, I was excited. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, do you know a gorilla joke?
0: What's a gorilla's favorite flavor of ice cream?
1: Oh, I don't know. What is it? Chocolate chimp. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> hey, speaking
0: of gorillas, the Gorilla Project has had a new release. You may recall that we talked about them getting new maintainers. It had been archived for a few months. Some new maintainers took it over. We talked about that. Well, those new maintainers have finally put out a new release. It's only a point release. So it goes from 1.8.0 to 1.8.1. So no big major changes here. But it's great to see momentum again after basically three years of nothing happening. So big shout out to the gorilla team. And there's a whole bunch of new contributors on this. So these are probably the people who... Or taking it over. Uh, it's great to see this, uh, this happening again. It's mostly documentation updates, updating CICD, updating Go version, things like that, sort of housekeeping stuff. But it's really good to see this project moving forward again.
1: Yeah, it's a great community a collaboration happening. They're really happy to see that.
0: Yeah. We have another release to mention. Uh, do you want to talk about what's
1: happening in the world of SQLC? Sure. So I saw that uh, SQL C 1.23 with PG vector support got released, and I assume that's something to do with Postgres, and that's uh, (laughs) literally all I know about it, but uh, you might want to check that out. And they also have a blog post that uh, they released uh, where they are mentioning that SQLC Gen Go is published as a separate package that you can uh, use and uh, do whatever you want to do with it. So that's pulled out from the main repo and kind of mirrored as a separate package. So they are going to keep that up to date. I guess we can switch to AWS news. Uh, want to tell us what's new in the AWS, Jonathan? So this,
0: this is interesting. AWS recently announced they're changing their, their Go support policy. They're aligning their support policy with the official Go policy, more or less. It's not exactly the same, but it's, it's aligned with it. And this might be... Big news, if you're using an old version of Go, because they suddenly dropped support for Go versions 1.5 through 1.18 in the last two weeks. Wow! <laughs> so if you were still using Go 1.5, uh, you're, you're now frozen. You can't update your AWS SDK, but you probably can't update anything else either. So I hope this won't affect a lot of people, but I thought it was interesting. So basically, their, their policy now is that they will continue to support, I think, the last two versions, same as Go does. Plus, I think it was six months. So the, the way this works is Go 1.18 uh, lost support from the Go project in February of 2023, when Go 1.19 was released. AWS SDK continues to support it for six months after that, up till October 2023. So it's a little bit more forgiving than the Go policy, but less forgiving than it was two weeks ago when you could still use it on Go 1.5.
1: Yeah, lots of stuff to keep in mind there, especially if you have it as a transitive dependency, it could impact in various unforeseen ways. Indeed.
0: Indeed. And you noticed something about a package I'm not familiar with, but let's talk about Sarama. I don't even know what it is. Would you tell me what it is and what's happening in that world?
1: So Sarama is a beast. And if anyone uses uh, Kafka from Go, then they're probably familiar with it. And Kafka has a long story in Go because there's like multiple libraries out there that give various flavors of support for uh, connecting to Kafka and reading data. And Sarama is probably the most popular one. And it used to be, owned by Shopify. So they developed it. But then for whatever reason, they decided to kind of switch away from uh, supporting this library and uh, they abandoned it for a while. And then IBM stepped in and they were like, hey, we can take over. So it got transferred to IBM, which is great. Now you actually have active support for it uh, and it got a new release. So you might want to update your dependencies and pull in this new version of it. However, this uh, very active and intense development uh, did introduce a few bugs. And uh, one of them was a regression that uh, surfaced uh, instantly if you use Sarama with um, Azure Event Hubs. And uh, it was related to consumer groups rereading the same messages again. There's just kind of some sort of defaults that are not um, configured correctly if you don't set them explicitly. So now um, in release, uh, 1.42, this issue was fixed. So you might want to uh, pull that in if you have a slightly older version. And you can also see some of the details about this transition in the show notes. Um, I actually mentioned that there's also alternative libraries out there that you might find better or faster or um, newer. So they could give better error messages. So one of them is uh, france go from twmb. And Travis is an amazing maintainer. So you might want to check that out.
0: Awesome. I've never used Kafka, so uh, that's probably why I'm not familiar with those libraries, but it's nice to hear about uh, the progress happening there.
1: Yeah, and I should mention that uh, the official Confluent library is cgo, so that's one big reason for people to look for third-party libraries. Well, let's move on
0: to, we have a couple items uh, more from the community, less newsy, but still worth mentioning. One I thought was interesting was a a thread on Reddit. Somebody asked for recommendations for YouTube channels and content creators to follow about Go. And Kappa Go got a couple mentions in the thread there. So that was kind of nice. I went, of course, and upvoted those. Uh, But there's a lot of other really valuable uh, content mentioned here, some YouTube channels, uh, some books, mailing lists, things like that. So if you're looking for other Go content to consume, check out the show notes. We'll have a link to that Reddit conversation in the description so you can uh, follow up and follow some other great Go content creators.
1: Yeah, That reminds me of uh, awesome lists on GitHub.
0: Oh yeah. We should put that in the show notes too. And we also had a conversation, uh, actually you and I were both involved, we weren't the only ones involved, over on the Rands Slack. If you're not already on the RAND Slack, you should check it out. We'll have a link to sign up to that too. It's uh, a Slack for sort of tech leadership type folks. Uh, But we had a conversation in the Golang channel about when or if you should use close explicitly when opening files. And you asked the question, why don't you tell us what was going through your mind, what you were trying to learn, and the conclusion of that conversation?
1: Yeah, so since I started using Go years ago, I always knew that you have to call the close method when opening files. Not just files, like there's other places when it pops up. Like For example, if you make a HTTP request, you have to close the request body. It's kind of a pattern that I look for when I, I do code reviews. Now, somebody was asking in other space, uh, hey, you know, like, you can just uh, not call close when you open a file and the garbage collector should just claim that memory for you and close the file. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And it turns out that indeed, there's some sort of finalizer being set by the runtime. So it does take care of this for you if you want it to. But it's tricky because first of all, imagine opening files in a loop, not that you should they doing that, uh, you probably need to have a good reason to do so, but if you open the files in a loop and don't close them, you can easily run out of file descriptors uh, from your operating system. And you can also have the situations where um, if you do the same, you know, like opening files in a loop and use a defer statement, well, defer statements have function scope. So then until your function returns, your deferred statements don't run, so you can run the same kind of foot gun. But I think people in general should use the close method and make sure they call this explicitly, because otherwise it's kind of hard to review code. I've seen code bases where it's kind of tricky to do this, because you might open a file in a certain function, but then you have to use it in another function and kind of pass it around, so then you have to think about ownership. But that's up to you to untangle and
0: Good. Well, I want to throw in one bonus item here. Uh, this has been sitting in the backlog for a while, but I think it's a, a good time to mention it. I was recently turned on to a web page that's maintained by the Go team about Go stu- uh, case studies. So if you're trying to convince your boss that Go is stable enough for big companies, for example, you can head over go.dev slash solutions slash case dash studies. And there's a long list of big companies that you've heard of, Netflix, Salesforce, Stream, Twitter, Twitch, Trivago, Uber, that are all using Go. And each one has a little paragraph description about what they use it for and then a link to a a much longer case study. So if you're trying to convince somebody that Go is something worth considering, this could be a, a nice tool in your arsenal. It's also just fun to read and see who else is using Go. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. Thanks, Mihai, for joining. It's been fun. Stick around for just a few minutes. We have a few updates to share with you about the show. And unfortunately, we don't have an interview this week. Uh, We had one scheduled that fell through the cracks. Uh, It'll be rescheduled later. So it's a short episode. We're giving you the rest of your day back. Hope you have a great week and hope to see you all
1: next week. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And try hanging there. Hope you're okay.
0: If you are a back-end developer, you will enjoy the Back-End Banter podcast with our friend Lane Wagner. The Back-End Banter podcast is the show's sponsor this week, so we really want to give a big shout-out to them. Check them out. I know you like to listen to podcasts because you're listening to my voice right now, and there's a 90% chance that you're a back-end developer, so it should be relevant to you. Lane Wagner is also the founder of Boot.dev, which is a great online gamification learning platform if you're trying to level up your back-end development skills in either Go or Python, boot.dev is a great uh, resource for that. You can get in touch with us here at the show by going to cupago.dev. There you can find links to all of our episodes, our store where you can buy your own Cup Go mug, and our social profiles if you're interested in following me or Shai or Mihai on social media. We'd also love to invite you to our Slack channel. We're on the cupago channel, kebab case on the gopher Slack. And as I mentioned in the show, you can also hang out with some of us on the RAND leadership Slack. The link to that is also in the show notes today. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, leave a review, upvote it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And thanks again for listening. Hope to see you again next week.